Welcome to Getting In, a college coach conversation. On this show, the team of experts from Bright Horizons College Coach aim to demystify college admissions and finance. From building a well-balanced college list and developing a payment strategy to creating a high school plan and more. Each episode will help guide your family through various steps of the process. Enjoy the show. Welcome, everyone, to today's episode of Getting In a College Coach Conversation. I'm Sally Ganga from College Coach. For our second segment, I'm welcoming Jay Bonham, a colleague here at College Coach, who's also the father of one college student and another uh, matriculating college student. He's going to be dropping off at college very shortly for his first year. So he'll be sharing his insights on what parents need to know about preparing for the drop-off day um, and the day itself. For the third segment, I'll be talking with college coach veteran Mary Sue Yoon about how to make the most of Naviance, which is a college co- counseling program at many high schools that can be useful in all kinds of ways. So um, if you attend an American high school, either in the U.S. or abroad, ask them if they have Naviance because it's pretty useful. But for this first segment, I'm talking with Beth Feinberg-Keenan. Those of you who are watching this on video will see her there. Um, she's another college coach veteran, but this time of our finance team about refunds from colleges, which um, when they proposed this topic to me, I was like, is that a thing? Do colleges <laughs> give refunds? I wasn't aware of that. So um, so Beth is sharing the good news today, which I think is great. So welcome, Beth. Thanks, Sally. Um, so where do these refunds come from? I mean, I'm assuming it's from the college, but maybe I'm wrong. So typically you're right. The refunds do come from the college, but it's just not the college giving you money and be like, hey, congratulations, you know, you have money. <laughs> <laughs> so where these refunds are typically coming from, it's an overage of financial aid or it's an overage of loans, whether it's student loans that your student is taking out, uh, parent loans that you've borrowed as a parent or private loans that you know your student has taken out and the family has co-signed on. So it's not just the school being kind and giving you know a windfall and saying, hey, you know, these students are getting a refund, but that refund is being generated from different sources of financial assistance that once it's applied to their bill. So the tuition's been paid for, um, if the students live on campus, uh, that room and board has been paid for, and then what they have is they have excess money sitting on their account, which can generate a refund to the student. Okay. So, so basically a student might get a credit, it sounds like on their account. So what can they do with that then? So there's a number of things that they can do with that. Um, one of the things that I often um, encourage a family to do when they have that refund is just make sure that when they're planning what they want to do with that refund is make sure that they're not, that they're looking at the entire year. Mm-hmm. So while that refund might, be there for the fall semester. So, you know, all the families who are getting ready to drop their students off at school and that bill is paid and now they have that refund on the account. You want to make sure that they don't need that money for the spring semester before they figure out like, what are they going to do with it? So one of the things that they can do with that refund is if they don't need it, um, step into the financial aid office and ask them, especially if it's coming from like a private loan or a parent loan, ask them if it can be sent back to the, if it can be sent back to the servicer. So be sent back to the lender where they took that money out from. If they do that, it will save on fees. If the school sends that money directly back to the original lender. But 
sometimes those refunds are coming from maybe excess grant funds. Like I used to work with um, some kids who were on full scholarship or were student athletes and they did have refunds. They had refunds that they needed to use the money for books mm-hmm. or they had refunds that they needed to use the money for off-campus housing. So in those situations, then they need to make sure that they're requesting that money to be released to the student or the, to the family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's really important to note that sometimes aid can be there for things like books. So absolutely. So so we've gone through some of the things that the refund can be used for. I also wanted to return quickly to making sure that you're not going to need it for second semester, because I think a lot of people will assume, well, if I don't need it first semester, I'm not going to need it second semester. So like, what are what are some examples of things that might pop up? What came to mind for me was, for example, study abroad, like that can be more expensive than just being on campus. Is there anything else? So what I often think about is, you know, for second semester, maybe for, like for the fall semester, they made a deposit, especially for incoming students, they made an initial deposit to hold their space in the class. So when they plan for the year, loans are, are typically dispersed in equal disbursement. So if it's a semester school, you're going to get half in the fall and half in the spring. And so maybe in the fall semester, their bill is a little bit less because they made some payments to the school. They made, uh, maybe they took in, you know, made that initial deposit, but they don't have those those credits or those payments for the spring semester. So that's why they're gonna need that excess from the fall semester to go towards uh, the spring semester. But you make a good point too, Sally, like study abroad. I mean, there might be additional costs there. Um, If a student is taking classes in the spring semester where maybe there's additional lab expenses that Mm -hmm. they have that they don't have in the fall semester, that's another reason that they might have additional expenses in that next semester that they don't have in that, that first semester where they have that credit on their account. Mm -hmm. All right. And so if they don't need the money now, though, like for books or any of these other things, what other kind of options do they have? Well, I mentioned that they could have it, they could have it sent back to the, they could have it sent back to the, um, the lender. So if they Mm -hmm. don't need it, they realize that they don't need it for the year. Why keep money, especially if it's coming from loans, like why keep money where interest is accruing? that you don't necessarily need to have. So look at sending that back because if it's your first year, even if it's your second year and you have that money sitting there, keep in mind that interest is accruing for all of these years that that loan money is either sitting there or you have it released to you. If you feel that you need it, um, maybe it's not for the semester, but maybe for incidentals, uh, you can request, you can go to the student accounts office, you can go to the bursar's office. They're one and the same, but I made sure that I called them both things because some schools will call them student accounts offices, some will call it bursar's office, and you want to make sure that you're going to that office or contacting that office to have that credit released to to you. Parents know that typically the credit's going to be released to the student. So if it's coming from a private student loan, if it's coming from excess uh, gift assistance, that money is going to be released to the student. But if it's coming from a parent loan, a plus loan, that money is going to be released to the parent. So if the student is anticipating that money to be released to them, or the parents are thinking like, hey, that money is for living expenses, then the parent needs to make sure that they are working with student accounts or the bursar's office and putting it in writing. It's okay to release the money to my student. Mm-hmm. Okay. I wonder too, would your advice be different? Some loans, obviously the interest is accruing while they're in college, but 
Um, I know that I was lucky enough to, um, or unlucky enough, depending on how you look at it, but I had a pretty favorable loan when I was in college. And so interested in accrue while I was in college and didn't start accruing. I, you know, what I had to pay back six months after I graduated was exactly what I had borrowed and interest started accruing at that point was my understanding of it. So would it be different then? I mean, would you kind of tell the student why not hang on to it just in case? Great point, Sally. You know, so yes, some of the some of the credit could be generated from a subsidized loan, which you were inferring to that you had mm-hmm. when you were in school. I had a subsidized loan when I was in college too. Uh, so if it's from a subsidized loan, by all means, you know, keep you know you can keep it. Um, maybe you want to have it released to you, and you put it into a savings account, and you put it into your your checking account, and just kind of hold it there if you have something else comes up. Maybe that year that you have study abroad and your expenses are a little bit more mm-hmm. and you're like, well, how do I cover that shortfall? And you're like, oh, I didn't need that, that subsidized money then. So I could use that additional money, you know, to pay for that additional study abroad expense. But often I feel that the people that I talk with where their refunds are coming from nowadays are not as frequent coming from subsidized loans, but it seems like they're more frequently coming from additional private loans and parent loans that families are taking out to cover um, shortfalls that are not covered by financial aid Mm. and to cover off campus housing. I mean, if you're not living on campus and you're living in an off-campus apartment, you can still use financial aid and you can still use loans to cover those expenses. So you are you're likely going to have, you're going to have an excess on your account and you do need to have that money released to you to make sure that you can cover your rent and your utilities and your food and everything else that you had borrowed for, for, you know, living expenses while you're enrolled in school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In other words, don't just spend it unwisely. (laughs) Think carefully about what your needs are now and what they might be. Um, down the road. I think that's probably like the basic summary of this <laughs> of this thing. And use the bursar's office as, um, you know, talk to them because maybe they can help, right? Right. And talk with financial aid also, because if you have this excess on your account and you're not sure what to do with it or why it's there, stop into the financial aid office, have somebody in the financial aid office walk through your account, make sure that there's no outstanding charges that are all of a sudden going to show up on your account. Mm -hmm. And that now you're going to owe money to the school because you took out that refund. Um, And make sure that they're looking at the next semester too, to make sure that there's no surprises that you've planned appropriately for the next semester. But if you can check all of those boxes off, right, then, you know, stop in with student accounts, the bursar's office, and make your plan of like, I need that money released to me, or I want that money sent back to the lender because I actually don't need it. You know, I don't end up needing it this year. I took out too much money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, great. Thank you so much, Beth. That was really helpful. Thanks for having me today, Sally. Oh, absolutely. All right. When we return, I will be welcoming Jay Bonham to talk about dropping your kid off at school. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Hey everyone, it's Ian Fisher from College Coach here with the sad news that summer is coming to a close. And while we'll miss time by the pool, we are still looking forward to the fall. 
This is a great time to start thinking about the college application process, whether you're a senior or a freshman. And to make the end of the summer a little less painful, we're offering our biggest discount of the year, 15% off any comprehensive college coach package if you sign up between August 14th and August 31st. So make your way to getintocollege.com and fill out a form for more info today. For 25 years, families have trusted Bright Horizons College Coach to guide them through the college admissions process. With nearly all of our students getting into one of their top choice schools, it's no wonder why. Our experience is unmatched. As former admissions officers at top colleges and universities, we've read the essays, reviewed the applications, and made the admissions decisions. We know firsthand what colleges are looking for. Ready to meet our team? Visit getintocollege.com slash experts to learn more. In every college application, there's that moment of pause before a student hits send. Is this my best work? With Bright Horizons College Coach, your student will hit submit with confidence. We take the guesswork out of applying to college. Students get help with everything from essays, summer planning and visits, to testing strategy, merit aid, and more. As for our results, 100% of students have earned acceptances, nearly all to one of their top choice goals. Visit getintocollege.com slash experts to learn more. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. I'm happy to say hi to my colleague, Jay Bonham. I'm here to talk about um, sending your kid off to college, kind of, but really it's specifically about move-in day, right? Correct. Correct. All right. And I set this up for people, but you've already done this once and you're about to do it again, correct? You're absolutely right. And as I think I told you earlier, I don't certainly consider myself an expert, but certainly I've done it before. And so we're about to do it again. Um, I did it four years ago when my oldest son, we dropped him off to college. And then uh, very soon we're about to send our youngest off as well. So it's um, an exciting time in our household. Mm-hmm. All right. So what um, I'm just kind of curious about, like, how do you see the parent role is changing? I mean, this is a real demarcation, yeah. right, of sort of um, I mean, I actually still remember when my mom not just took me to college, but when she left the day that she left, right. you know, and said goodbye to me. And I think I cried and which she said really surprised her because I was a pretty independent kid, but it was just felt sort of dramatic that she was leaving me behind, you know, even though I was very excited to go to the college I went to and so, um, and, and had a wonderful time. Right. Yeah, but, um, course. but so what, what do you think is, yeah, let's talk about the significance of that moment. Yeah, I mean, this is a huge moment. I mean, of course, for the student, and that should be, of course, the center of the atten- of attention. But it's a big moment for the parents too, because they've got this transition transition going on themselves. Um, one way that I look at it is that the parent's role is really changing from being the manager of their kids' lives to becoming the consultant. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, 
for when our kids were younger, we were there helping to support them and helping to move them on to the different ac- different activities, making sure their academics were in good shape, and, and just being there sort of 24-7. But now when they're off to college, you're not gonna you're not gonna have the same type of role. And and you shouldn't. I mean, the, the student should really be taking control and, and making the most of the experience that they're going to that they're gonna be at in college. And so but certainly your role doesn't end. I mean, a mm-hmm. role as a parent never ends. But I think when it goes to college, you should be more in that consulting area where if your student has or if your kid has some questions, they should reach out to you, of course. But but they should be the ones talking with their teach- professors, talking with their advisors, uh, I mean, finding ways to get involved in the in the college community. Um, and so I think if, if parents can sort of think of it that way as sort of changing from that manager to the consultant, I think that's one way in which it's going to help them with that transition. Right. They're not the one that's going to talk to faculty. In fact, some faculty right. won't talk to parents. I mean, there's even privacy laws um, about yep. that where parents would have to waive um you know, mm-hmm. waive some privacy. So there's right. even like a legal barrier. Not that that's like the most important aspect of it, but mm-hmm. I really like that notion of being the consultant. And I would actually hope that parents would kind of start practicing that a little bit yes. ahead of time. But um, but that is the important moment when it really has to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some yeah. of the nuts of... Oh, go ahead, Jake. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, hopefully... This has already started when, I mean, as, as students are whatever types of, I mean, pre-college stuff they have to do, whether it's helping setting up classes or learning about like different activities they can get involved with. I mean, at that point, the student should be taking over and have, seeing this transition. But then certainly once they go to the school, it becomes sort of 100% and, and the student should be mean leading the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, I used to be a college counselor. I worked in admissions, obviously, but mm-hmm. I was a college counselor at a high school. And I remember um, a student of mine who was a junior in AP um, history, and her mother would stay up with her every night until she finished her homework. And she said, well, I, I'm not getting enough sleep. And I thought, why are you staying up with your daughter? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, yes. you can yes. just go to bed. She doesn't need to, she doesn't, you know, I mean, it wasn't my place to parent, but I thought really what I thought was, well, what are you going to do when she goes to college? Is she going to sit on zoom with you? I mean, it was just, it was a very, um, I don't know. It's, 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 it's not that I'm in a place to critique anybody's parenting. Um, and I understand the anxiety, but like, you know, let, let's like, think about what the next step is that's coming up and, and how to prepare for it. You know? Yeah, and, and and that's a great point. I mean, my wife, she used to work in in um, in student affairs, and she every August when the parents would come and drop off their kids, she would meet with the parents and give them sort of a preview of what their kids are going to be going through for the year. But at the end, she would she would make the parents all repeat after her, and my wife would say, "Okay, well, well first, I'm sorry. Let me couch this that." Things are going to happen. I mean, mm-hmm. they're going to be your your child is going to run into issues in college. Hopefully, they'll be very minor, but there are going to be things that they're going to run into that they might need that they're going to need to navigate. Mm-hmm. And so, instead of the parents 
hopefully going in, I mean, going in there and, and navigating it for the student, it should be the student who takes control. And what she would do is she would say, okay, parents, repeat after me. And you would say this to your child. Mm-hmm. Okay, who at college, and to insert whatever name, can help you with that? Mm-hmm. And she would say, okay, people repeat after me. Who at college blank can help you with that? And it just sort of sets the stage that it is the student should, who should be figuring out, do they need to talk to the registrar's office or about a class? Or do they, should they go and meet with their professor? Or if they're having trouble with roommates, I mean, how do, how do they manage that? But again, just for the parent to think that, okay, okay, son, who should you be contacting rather than me? I don't want to be doing that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a good distinction to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a really important distinction. And it doesn't mean that you're not there for them because you no. are saying you're helping talk them through it. Yep. You know, and if they need to cry to somebody or vent to somebody, you're there yep. for that as well. So, yep. Yep. yeah. And, and I have to say that, I mean, we're seeing that in our own family, we're seeing that for our older son, he's about to move to a new city to start his job. He's doing it on his own because mm-hmm. like he feels as though, well, one, he has to, but mm-hmm. because it's his responsibility. But I think he, we've sort of taught him these mechanisms that to support himself. And it sort of started with a drop off at college. And now we're seeing it certainly as he's now going off to his first job and for, in his career, it, it, it makes a big difference. And I think it's going to help those um, young adults become adults down the road. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, what about the nuts and bolts of the drop off? Yeah. Like, what are some things for parents to think about as they like just are planning the day or planning the right. few days that they'll be there? Right. I, I mean, uh, a couple things certainly come to mind. One is that you you want your child to lead it. You don't want to go into the dorm room and start unpacking their things and, and putting things where you think they should go and like where the posters should go, or where the, um, the pillows, whatever they might be. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's where your child is going to be living. And so you want them to sort of um, uh, be in charge of that. Um, another suggestion I had from a friend is that when you're setting up the room, keep the door open because there'll be other kids and other families that are in your in your hall that are that are setting up their own dorm rooms and so it sort of makes it more inviting so that you so that your son or daughter can start to meet other kids in their dorm and and also for the parents to sort of meet meet each other as well um another thing that uh, that we've tried to do also is is sort of do like the big sort of goodbyes like before you actually like are that everything's set up and you're leaving because at that point everyone's tired um your child is going to be going off to their pre-orientation programs or or, orientation programs Mm -hmm. and so to have like this i don't know magical moment where you're saying goodbye um it 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 can be disappointing for some families and so Mm -hmm. i always tell families you should do that like like before the actual day, like really have that conversation and talk with your child and just sort of tell them how proud you are. And mm-hmm. But I think when it comes to the actual, like the logistics of the day, get it done. I mean, wish them good luck. And the reality is, is that, I mean, you're going to talk with them. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. like you're saying goodbye forever. And so, but I think you also want to set it up so that 
your child feels as though he or she is in their in their own room and are ready to meet people and and move forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, one of the ways that I like to think about it is don't be the last parent on campus, you know, or or among the roommates. (laughs) So uh, my roommate, one I mean, I had two roommates, actually, and one of them, the mom just stuck around way past when the parents were supposed to be there. And my my uh, my roommate was like, I don't know. I'm so sorry when she's going to leave. So so make that your goal. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, you want to make sure that they're set up and, and, and have the things. And and I don't know, to be honest, in this day and age, like, don't fret over the fact if you forgot something because in this Amazon world or Target, I mean, there's always ways you can get things you forgot or might be missing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so don't, you don't want to stress over those things because it's a stressful time. I mean, your, your child is moving on to a new chapter in his or her life. Uh, and if for some reason they forgot the power cord, mm-hmm. you can solve that. Yeah. And the most rural location, there is at least going to be a bookstore on the campus yes. <laughs> where yes. you can get the necessities. So, yes. yeah. Um, yeah. And the other thing is that, I, I mean, certainly from a, just a pure like logistics, I mean, many times <laughs> the dorm room that they're moving into is going to be smaller than their current room. And so don't feel as though you have to bring everything or especially like a closet, like don't feel as though mm-hmm. you have to bring all your clothes at once. Um, I mean, we ended up, I know for our older son, like bringing some things back with us just because mm-hmm. we ran, he ran out of room and it's, it's um, uh, so that's the other thing is that you want to sort of plan that out. And, and also nowadays, like all the dorms are many times online. So you can see the dimensions of like the closets and the, how much, I mean, shelving they have. And so that can really help families to sort of figure out how much stuff they should be bringing. Mm -hmm. I think also just sentimentally. I mean, I remember this was actually a different roommate. She brought her entire stuffed animal collection, which was kind of an interesting choice. And listen, I had a stuffed animal and I brought I did bring one, you know. um, Right. But uh, so bring a couple things because you're away from home and you will be homesick. But don't you don't need to recreate home because part of the goal, I think, is starting something new and exciting and and she she took them all back with her at christmas except for like one you know what i mean like she sort of realized that this was a little i think she ended up being embarrassed by it which was not the point i mean i'm not saying that she should have been because people cope with things in their own way you know and in their own time but it was it was uh it was kind of to me such a like um concrete manifestation of her like investing herself in college and she even said that it took her sort of a the first semester to figure out she was in the right place and Mm -hmm. it was like the second she did that she's like okay i'm I'm taking all these stuffed animals back home i'm not ready to get rid of them but they're not going to be here with me in college anymore i'm going to invest myself it's going to be new stuff here yes so which was kind of exciting it is it's an exciting time and 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 certainly you do want them to bring some part of their home or some part of, I mean, their the family to, to remember and just to have that sort mm-hmm. of um, soft and that safety net is there, I mean, looking at those pictures or the stuffed animal, whatever it might be. Um, mm-hmm. But you're right. I mean, these aren't huge rooms. And so <laughs> you want to manage it uh, and make sure that, that, that 
because this is going to be their home away from home for the for at least for the first year. Mm-hmm. And you want to make sure that they're comfortable with that. Yeah. And don't let them get hung up. I've heard about like an Instagram phenomenon where people like post the perfect dorm room or something <laughs> like, please encourage yes. them not to do that. Don't spend all your money on the dorm room. Your tuition bills are going to be high enough, I think. Right, right. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I know this is maybe a little gendered, but my boys, they don't really care. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they're not going to be. But I know that is very important for some people. And so, mm-hmm. but you're right. You don't want to get caught up on that, be caught up in, in that kind of <laughs> of stress because college is going to be stressful enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but, yeah. but yeah, we're, we, uh, I mean, I think we're trying to get our younger son to take a few more things because he's very simplistic in the way that right. he, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, 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 that's his personality. And right. you just want to make sure that the, the dorm room reflects that. But you also have to, I mean, he's living, he has a roommate, so he also needs to make sure that, that he's communicating with his roommate, which he has. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they've decided like who's bringing, like what sort of appliances. I mean, so his roommate's going to bring the mini fridge and mm-hmm. uh, our son's bringing like an extra monitor. And so that's, I think, also important for, for, for families to make sure that, that the student is communicating with their future roommates and making sure that they don't end up with two refrigerators in the room mm-hmm. or, or three fans. Um, and, and I think that can help to avoid uh, conflicts even before the, the start of the semester. Yeah. Who's bringing the coffee percolator or the French yeah. press or, or whatever it might be? Share things for sure. Right. So, yeah. Right. So kind of speaking of that, I'm kind of curious just from your personal perspective, if you're comfortable, like what was the hardest thing about the day? Um, you know, the first oh. drop off day. Well, I think the first drop off, the hardest part for us was the the four flights of stairs that we had to walk right. up to. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, just because his dorm room, I mean, he was on a higher level, but no, I mean, seriously, I mean, it's an emotional, I mean, it's a, it's an emotional time. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I mean, as much as I think my wife and I try to be prepared for it, I mean, it's, it's, it takes a lot out of you. And so, um, but it's an exciting time. Like, again, like we, we knew that both for our older son, our younger son, they're both in the right place for, for the right place for themselves. Um, and as a parent, that's, that's what you want. And so, um, but yeah, that's, that's what was tough. I think just realizing that, I mean, they're moving on to another chapter, uh, but like the stress of getting everything into the dorm room, it's okay. I mean, it's just, you deal with it. Um, but yeah, just making sure that I, I wasn't as prepared. I think in some ways, since this is my our, our second and last child, I mean, I think in some ways this will be a little bit harder uh, because mm-hmm. my wife and I are now going to be empty nesters. And so mm-hmm. we're moving on ourselves into a new a new phase. Um, but we're, I mean, really excited for him. And it's going to be a great experience. And, and hopefully for for other families that are going to be in the same position as, as, as we are, that's, I mean, it, it's going to be, it's going to be tough, but you're going to get through it. And, and, you know, your child's going to be in a, in a, in a great position um, and, and just be able to, to be, be happy for them, mm-hmm. even though it's going to be an emotional and, and emotion, an emotional time. Mm-hmm. I was thinking too, that it might like, I think with my mom and this was a different age, um, we made a plan that we would talk on Sunday nights. 
Yes. You know, I mean, that's pre-cell phones. That's how old I am. (laughs) But it still seems like a good idea, um, you know, to kind of just say, we're not always going to be available to each other. When my students in class, they shouldn't be texting me. So I'm going to respect those kinds of limits. So um, I know there's the emotional challenge, but and um, and I'm not trying to, but I feel like this is part of that, right? Like some parents want their students to constantly be in touch. And I've talked to friends of mine and one friend said, you know, she might daughter never has time to talk to me. And I said, I know that this sounds like a bad thing, but it's actually a good thing. Yes. If she, as long as she sounds good, but she's busy, that actually shows that college is being exactly what it should be. Yes. Yes. I would, I would be more worried if, yes, if, if that, if that student was contacting their, their parent every day or a couple times a week. I mean, I think if, if you, if, if, it, if you go a couple of days without hearing from your child, that's a good thing. I mean, it mm-hmm. means they're busy. It means that they're getting involved. Um, but yes, I think it's still important to check in and see how things are going. I would maybe during the orientation period, try to give them a couple days to let them get their bearings and, and meet their, start meeting friends and just getting um, acclimated to the university. Um, but certainly set up a time that you guys can check in and that will make it a, a great experience for, for, for you to learn about what they're doing, uh, and also good for the student to to hear from their parents too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, great. Any last closing comments? Anything that we haven't covered, Jay, or do you think that's pretty good for now? I don't think so. I I, I just I mean I, it's um it's it's an exciting time, and I, I think it, it's it, it is stressful, but I think the parents just need to realize that this is an exciting time for their child, and be as and you just want to be as supportive as possible. And, and, and make sure that the move goes as smoothly as possible as well. And, and they'll have a great start to their college experience. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much, Jay. Really appreciate it. Oh, Sally, it's my pleasure. Absolutely. Um, and when we return, we'll be talking with Mary Sue Yoon about the high school college application program, Naviance. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. For 25 years, families have trusted Bright Horizons College Coach to guide them through the college admissions process. With nearly all of our students getting into one of their top choice schools, it's no wonder why. Our experience is unmatched. As former admissions officers at top colleges and universities, we've read the essays, reviewed the applications, and made the admissions decisions. We know firsthand what colleges are looking for. Ready to meet our team? Visit getintocollege.com slash experts to learn more. In every college application, there's that moment of pause before a student hits send. Is this my best work? With Bright Horizons College Coach, your student will hit submit with confidence. We take the guesswork out of applying to college. Students get help with everything from essays, summer planning and visits, to testing strategy, merit aid, and more. As for our results... 100% of students have earned acceptances, nearly all to one of their top choice goals. Visit getintocollege.com slash experts to learn more. Hey everyone, it's Ian Fisher from College Coach here with the sad news that summer is coming to a close. And while we'll miss time by the pool, we are still looking forward to the fall. This is a great time to start thinking about the college application process, whether you're a senior or a freshman. And to make the end of the summer a little less painful, 
we're offering our biggest discount of the year. 15% off any comprehensive college coach package if you sign up between August 14th and August 31st. So make your way to getintocollege.com and fill out a form for more info today. A little birdie told me Voice America is on Twitter. Follow us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, and welcome, Mary Sue. So great to see you. Good to see you. So Mary Sue is here to talk to us about Naviance, which is a college counseling program, um, or I should say a program used by a lot of college mm-hmm. counseling offices in high school. Um, I will just say that when I was a high school counselor, we used it. In fact, I was the motivating force behind bringing it in in both of the college, in both of the high schools that I worked in, I said, we need to use this, which again is going to date me and how long I've been at Bright Horizons College Coach, because at this point, it's been around so long that people are like looking for the new thing to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. But um, I found it to be enormously helpful. And I will say that my students loved it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so why don't we why don't we kind of back up? Mary Sue, are you able to kind of explain in more detail some of the different functions and how people can use it? Sure, sure, of course. So Naviance is a college counseling software that many, many high schools use. As Sally mentioned, uh, it has been around for a while. Um, I want to say, you know, at least 15, maybe 20 years at this point. Um, so it is it, pretty widely used by many high schools. There are some competitors that have come up. So if your school doesn't exactly have Naviance, but has a college counseling software uh, that's similar, it might provide some similar functions to what I'm about to say. Um, but I think it can be useful as a tool for a few different reasons. If you have a student who is early on in high school, if they're a ninth or a 10th grader and their high school has given them access to Naviance, it can be a way sometimes to do some fun career interest personality quizzes to kind of find out a little bit more about, you know, what majors or careers might be a great match for you. Um, I have two daughters, one's in college, one's uh, going into her junior year um, in high school. And, uh, you know, she, the younger one kind of used it to look around and found that actually the thing that she wants to go to was the thing that came up on her personality quiz. So that was a nice (laughs) confirmation that what she was thinking um, was actually uh, kind of in line with uh, some of the skill sets that Naviance was kind of tracking as, as being a match for that career. So it can be useful and for younger students if your school does give you access, but really it starts to kick in in kind of 11th grade um, when a student is really starting the college selection process. Um, depending on how your particular school uses it, it can be a way to inform students about college reps coming to visit the high school. It can be a way to identify schools that match some of the criteria that you're looking for in a college. There's something called Naviance Supermatch, which says, you know, I'm looking for schools in the Northeast that are about this size that have this particular major, and it'll bring up a set of schools that that might fit some of those criteria with uh, however broad or narrow you make it. 
Um, and so uh, I do find that it can be really useful for students who are in that college search realm um, and uh, kind of thinking about like, well, how do I even find schools that might offer what I want that Naviance can be a good space for that. Um, the way that it's different from using, you know, a big website that has college search like uh, like College Board Big Future or another website like that is that it will have some data from your particular high school. So you can see students from your high school from previous years, their, um, their names are, it's anonymous, so it doesn't say the person's name, but it would say like their GPA and their standardized test scores perhaps. And you can kind of see what is the track record been for your high school for students getting into maybe a college that you might be interested in, what's kind of the GPA level um, that has tended to get in. And, uh, you know, we can get into it a little bit more as to how maybe it's not perfect data, but um, but it can be helpful in kind of uh, just an initially kind of assessing your chances mm-hmm. at a particular school. Yeah, let's talk about that in more detail, because I think um, I think they call them scattergrams, right? Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah. Or graphs. I mean, I think we, they call them yeah. scattergrams for the students. And I mm-hmm. thought they were great, but they are very, I do see students kind of not understanding how to use them. Like, right. if you have, if two students have applied, that's mm-hmm. not a big enough sample size, Correct. you know, Correct. but if yeah. you have like 10 or more in the last year, then that gives you at least an indication. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So those are kind of two things. What are other things that students should think about when they're, when they're looking at the graph? Yeah. So um, I think one of the things maybe to ask your school counselor about is sort of how the data gets into Navion. So at some high schools, they have a policy of someone in the school counseling office collects the data of where students have applied and also collects where students have uh, gotten in and where they eventually enroll. And sort of there's someone maintaining that information a little bit better. Um, at my own daughter's high school, it was really, it's a really a lot based on self-report from the students after they have gotten back their responses. So for example, a student might apply to 10 schools and maybe the 10 schools that they applied to are in Navion, but the student, you know, teenagers are teenagers. Not every student's going to go back into that system in the spring of their senior year and record the colleges that they didn't get into perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, and or maybe they put in the school that they're intending to enroll in, but they don't put their other acceptances um, into it. So sometimes the data can be a little bit skewed because the accuracy of who's recording it might be uh, not fully there. Or the compliance of who's recording it might be there. So that's a good question to ask your school counseling office is, you know, who is putting in what those acceptance num- uh, um, results were? Um, and is that a responsibility of a self-report of students? Um, or is it the school counselor that's doing it? If the school counselor is doing it, it's probably a little bit more accurate. Um, but even in the cases where students self-report, you know, students are often uh, very pleased to report schools that they got into and <laughs> they're very proud to report schools they got into. So I, I do find, um, particularly for more selective schools, that it does uh, tend to record that data pretty well. Um, and you can see things like, as you were just mentioning, if it's a school that's not very popular of a choice in your high school and it only has a couple data points, um, it may be a little skewed, um, but that's actually interesting information. Um, If there's another school that you're looking at where a really significant portion of your senior class applies 
to that school. That's interesting information to know as well, just to be a little more informed about what the pipeline is from your school into that college, Mm -hmm. uh, college's admissions office. Yeah, I've had some people actually say, well, we we looked on Naviance and only two students have applied in the last five years. Is that going to hurt us? And I'm like, absolutely not. If anything, yeah. they might be excited, you know, because because right. uh, that can sometimes mean that a, a, a new high school will start sending applications to their school. Right. So, so yeah. just don't be concerned. Yeah, it's information, but it might not mean what you think it means. Mm-hmm. And I think partnering with your college counselor to maybe understand what that means. Or you can even put questions into listener questions for this podcast. So I always Mm -hmm. like to mention that. We'd love to get more of those. Another um, scenario that I wanted to bring up was um, a student who, um, there was a student of mine who was really applying to some big reach schools and really had his heart Mm -hmm. set on them. And obviously I'm here to support what the student wants to do. But part of why he thought he had a shot is because at these schools, there were like most of the students who had gotten in were considerably stronger than him. But in each case, there were a couple of students where he was that had been admitted. And I had to explain to him that those students were most likely athletes or perhaps were in some sort of special other institutional priority Mm -hmm. group Um, Mm -hmm. because otherwise, because that's so kind of understanding how to read the graph, I think, is also important. Right. Like, do you have any sort of tips on that about understanding what th- these data yeah. points mean? And I know it's hard to do when people aren't looking at them, but. Right, right. Um, you know, the, the data points, the scattergram can give you kind of general directional information, but it's certainly not telling the, same, the whole story. Um, I used to say many times when I was in missions, if I just was, you know, for especially admissions for a highly selective college, you know, like the ones where I worked, where um, it, it was a holistic admissions review. And so we were looking at essays and uh, extracurricular activities and letters of recommendation and all these other pieces. If if the job was just to add up a student's GPA and test scores, it would have been a much easier job, to be quite honest, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, it would just be sort of those two data points. And that's the only two data points that are represented in Naviance. And so there's a lot of story behind those dots that you really don't uh, fully get to see, um, just like any kind of scenario where you may have heard of, you know, a friend of a friend of a friend who got into this highly selective school, and you can't believe they got in, you're not really seeing the whole story. And I would say the same goes for Naviance. If you're just looking um, at the graph, and you're looking at the GPA and SAT, you're not really knowing sort of fully what was uh, part of that student's application packet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say take keep that in mind. Um, but you can also see, you know, sort of a, a general trend, I guess, for the school in seeing, you know, if, uh, if in looking in that scattergram, everyone else who has been admitted from your high school has their GPA way up here and yours is, you know, four tenths of a point lower than uh, any admits that's probably a pretty good indication that that school might be a a super large reach for you. And just make sure that you have uh, a really balanced list that, that does also include some schools where you look a little more in the range. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's become even more complicated to read the graphs now that SATs are of less importance Mm -hmm. or SATs and ACTs. So some schools still require them, you know, if you're looking at Georgia tech or, um, you know, some mm-hmm. of the other schools, MIT, um, mm-hmm. that require them, they're probably still 
but just keep that in mind too. It's one data point among many. And it, yeah, it leaves out the importance of extracurriculars. It leaves out the essay. It leaves out the major, mm-hmm. which if you're applying into computer science, you got to be at the top of that range, right. Right, right. not just in the range in many right. cases. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So just some things to think about, but it is, it's a piece of information and it's well worth using. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. Let's talk about some of the practical ways that Naviance is helpful, Mm -hmm. like um, teacher recommendations. Mm -hmm. So for our seniors or soon to be seniors, if you haven't started your year yet, um, it it may very well be the way that you correspond and, and keep yourself organized with your school counseling office. And so I know for many students that I've worked with for my own daughter's high school, if you needed a transcript requested, you have to put it into Naviance and that's how the transcript request goes across to the school counselor. Your school might have a different policy. So you want to check with the school counselor to find out what their policy is of requesting the transcripts, but it may be through Naviance or a similar type of college counseling platform. Um, If the student was requesting teacher recommendations, uh, it, that may also be through Naviance. And typically what happens is the student has to go onto Naviance and sign a waiver um, that says that uh, in that waiver that um, they are releasing their ability to see that letter of recommendation. There's a connection that is made that you would, in Naviance, you would connect your Naviance account to your common application account and then you would put a request in through Naviance to your teachers uh, to send in those letters of recommendation. And so um, that letter of recommendation request process happens through Naviance. It's connected to the Common App. So the teacher's gonna go in, put their letter of recommendation uh, into the Naviance link, and then it goes magically uh, through the cloud um, to the admissions office along with your Common Application. So a lot of those pieces of the, the behind the scenes logistics kind of happen through Naviance as well. Um, and you do get, the nice thing about that is that you, do, you don't get to see the letter of recommendation that's part of waiving that right, mm-hmm. but you do get a notification through Naviance and through the Common App that the letter has been uploaded and sent to the college. So you will know that uh, you know, it is on the way and uh, mm-hmm. going off to the college. Yeah, I think that's always really helpful. When I was a high school counselor, people were sort of constantly, uh, honestly, one of the things that was very frustrating for me is that people would think I hadn't sent it when I had, mm-hmm. because the colleges hadn't entered it yet. And so sort of mm-hmm. daily, I would have to explain that like there were big bins of mail. And again, I mm-hmm. am dating myself because everything's electronic now, right. but there were big bins of mail. And even when it was started to happen electronically, in in a you know in different ways like um i just had to explain they haven't processed it yet but i mm-hmm. believe that with naviance you see when the teacher kind of presses the button so to speak correct you see yeah. when the teacher presses the button um and there may be a few days lag even though we are i i, I am similar in age <laughs> sally so <laughs> i remember the buckets of mail but uh you know i think that um even though electronically it may be sent it may not immediately register on the admission side because they do have sort of, if you imagine kind of electronic buckets to get through, mm-hmm. they have to process them. It doesn't automatically go into their system. They have to match the student's record um, with the electronic file that they have been sent. 
And so, um, you know, so there is some processing that still has to happen on the admission side. And usually there's a few days lag for that to happen. But you can see in Naviance, you can see in the Common App that the materials have been transmitted. And and so that's helpful um, for your tracking purposes as well. Right. And once it's submitted, the colleges can get it when they need it. So Mm -hmm. it's it's not late. You do not need to worry at that point. And I just I just can't stress that enough. I mean, um, you know, having been a college counselor, I'm here to support them. They are doing their job, (laughs) you know, so um, any other helpful tools around Naviance or suggestions that you would make about things that students can use it for? So one last thing um, I'm going through is right now, as I said, with my high school junior and uh, she put into Naviance a list of, you know, a few schools that she was considering. Um, there's a usually a link that says schools. Um, I think it's either schools I'm uh, considering or schools I'm applying to. Um, and so she put some schools into that schools I'm considering that have the type of program that she's looking for. Um, and there is a way to uh, check a box that says communicate with colleges, which essentially means that the college gets the information that you are looking at them in Navia. Um, that's a nice little piece of, of contact or way to kind of show a little bit of interest. And then I've noticed that from Naviance now, as those college reps are starting to book visits at her high school, she's getting notifications of, oh, this college is coming to the high school and you said you were interested in Naviance. So um, we just wanted you to know that the college rep's coming to visit. So it's a nice way that that connection can be made if you put some colleges into your account that you could get notified when that rep might be coming to your high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I recommend that students go on Naviance regularly. I suppose it depends from high school to high school, but at the beginning of the fall, I would list out all the major deadlines. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that way, um, I mean, when it was still happening on paper, some organized families would put it on the fridge. Others, it would just <laughs> sit in the stack of mail by the table, which I don't blame them. I'm one of those kinds yeah. of people. But this way, you can always log in. You can see when things need to happen. It be, it should become a sort of major resource in the way that, you know, the common application, I think, is a really mm-hmm. helpful platform to use. So mm-hmm. um, the other last tip that I'm going to give again as a high school counselor is you've got to communicate with your high school counselor and Naviance makes it sort of almost an easy way to do it. So if they tell you to go to Naviance and fill something out, fill it out fill it out. They might have a brag sheet on there. That's going to help you influence the letter of recommendation positively. So I just wanted Mm -hmm. to throw out a few of those other things. Mary Sue knows more about Naviance than I do, but I can talk (laughs) about how I used it (laughs) when I was a high school counselor. So yeah. All right. Great. Well, this is so helpful, uh, Mary Sue. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sally. Okay. All right. So thanks so much to Mary Sue and also to Beth Feinberg Keenan and Jay Bonham. And I do want to encourage you all to join us next week when we'll be discussing topics like an update on the federal student loan repayment program, which is a very big deal. So I recommend following that because remember payments are starting again, I think in September. So listen next week and you'll find out for sure. Um, we'll also be interviewing, and this is actually me who's doing this, so it's pretty. I'm really excited about this. There's a niche college in Pennsylvania called the um, Pennsylvania College of Technology, and what makes it niche is that it's all focused around the workforce. If you want to work in construction, if you are interested in the applied workforce sciences, this is a great option. So, you know, check it out when uh, the re- representative comes and um, and I get to interview her. 
All right. And finally, I want to remind you that you don't have to listen to our shows live. Every show is accessible 24-7 on the Voice America website. You can also download every show for free on, on iTunes. And if you're curious about other topics, remember you can look through our archives. Um, you can find them along with our general blog posts on blog.getintocollege.com. And I also want to encourage people again to input listener questions. You can follow, find us on social media like Facebook, Instagram. I mean, we're on all of them. So, And last, do not forget that we're here every Thursday, 4 p.m. Eastern and 1 p.m. Pacific. Thank you for tuning in to Getting In, a college coach conversation. New episodes drop every Thursday. The goal of this show is to demystify the college admissions process for families around the globe. To help with this mission, please leave a review and share with your friends. And to learn more about Bright Horizons College Coach, visit GetIntoCollege.com.